0: Well, given that it's Mother's Day and that we are going through a series in the book of Psalms, I thought that it would be a wonderful time to pick a psalm that focuses on the family. And so we're going to go to Psalm 127 today. And the, uh, the series is called Songs for Every Season. So this is actually a song written about asking God to build your house nice and strong. The, ser- the sermon is called Build My House, Lord. And it is a song of a sense and it is a song of Solomon and it'll be a great encouragement to all the moms on Mother's Day because you are not alone. You're never alone. The Lord God himself is hard at work in your home and this is a prayer. This is a song. This is an invitation to invite God to be hard at work in your home. Build my house, Lord. Now this is a psalm of Solomon. There are very few of them. And that's kind of funny. Solomon actually, Mother's Day must have been an absolute nightmare for the man who had a thousand wives and concubines. I mean, the flowers alone must have cost him an exorbitant amount, let alone the cards that he had to stay up writing late into the night. Solomon had quite a problem on his hands because he had quite a weird family. Solomon wrote this psalm, though, knowing that it was only God who could establish his household, um, and it was a psalm of ascent. What that means is, as the Israelites would come for one of the festivals, uh, they would spend a week or more in, in Jerusalem celebrating the Lord in one of the festivals, on the way there, the nation would be singing these songs of ascent. Uh, particularly as they were approaching the mountain, the hill on which Jerusalem was built. they They would sing. People would be coming from all over the nation singing these songs. And so what a great portrait of inviting the Lord to build up their family strong and healthy on the way up to the very central place of his presence in the nation. So this is Psalm 127, and here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Lest the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake, in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So it's short, but it's full of uh, great prayers to the Lord. Here's the first thing you can write down. Trust the Lord God to build your house. Trust him. Trust God to build your house. There's a play on words here between house and home, the physical house and the family. There's also a play on words in the original between Builder and sons, builder and sons. These words sound alike, and so it's not just trust the Lord to get the beams of your home up and the foundation poured, right? It's, uh, it's, it's a simile, right? You're, you're asking God to build your home as if it's a house under construction. We told you last week that Lauren and I bought a house recently. It's a fixer-upper, and uh, we've only owned it for like nine days. And boy, have we done a lot to it. Check out some of the latest pictures of our, of our fixer-upper project. I don't know what kind of glue they used on the wallpaper in this hallway, but it, 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 it took like, you know, all the time in the world to get this wallpaper off. And what a mess. Here's the next picture. We had to uh, get the stone off of an old fireplace and so we can put a new fireplace up. Here's the next picture. Uh, this one is all the garbage that we amassed in the garage. In just nine days' time, the gar- you can't even see the garage floor because of all of the junk that's come out, putting a bathroom downstairs and jackhammering it. And I think, do we have one more picture, too? Uh, that is, that's me demoing a bathroom. I know that bathroom mirror selfies are in, so I figured I would take a bathroom mirror selfie. And uh, wow, uh, we're moving the shower to where the toilet is and the toilet to where the sink is. And and (laughs) this is building a house, right? Now look, when it comes to building a home, it's construction, right? And God is a builder. He's a master builder. He built the whole universe once. I've seen it. It's really spectacular. And he is also building our homes. And the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. That's the first portrait here. Trust God to build your house. Now, we are building. We are called as parents to build wisely, to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. This psalm is not, the Lord is building, so you just sit back and do nothing. The implication is, my work is essential, right? But God's work is supreme, and yes, parents, we must intentionally lay the spiritual foundation for our children. That is essential. That is commanded. That is required of you in Scripture. Kids aren't going to come out ready to build their own spiritual foundation. Hand me another Bible verse, mother. You know, I mean, they need us to put the spiritual foundation down. But God's labor is supreme, the governing force. In the construction of your home is great God Almighty. So yes, we are building, but he is the ultimate builder. Jot this down. Build wisely on the rock. Build wisely on the rock. In the psalm, we're building. Those who are building are building, and they're laboring, but they don't want to do it in vain. Families can choose to build sound biblical principles into their homes can start with bringing your children to church so from a young age they get prayed for in the nursery and cared for and they get used to coming to church as they grow up they come to Iwana they get their little vest they start getting their little badges they start learning some verses then they get up to junior high high school they come to student ministry they start going to camp they encounter God on retreats so they get up into upper high school and maybe they take a mission trip and they see the world they do something like like when we went to Kiev, Ukraine, and we went to a camp full of uh, predominantly children from uh, orphan homes, and, uh, and, and, and we were able to share the gospel with them and serve them and have fun with them, and then they get to see the it's a big world, and it's Christ's world, and we can serve Him in that. This is what it means to build wisely on the rock. Now, so many parents today in our secular world are simply not building. They have never picked up the hammer and the saw. They've never started to put a spiritual foundation under their children. They've not done that, and they're they're not in Christ. But those parents need to know that unless the Lord is building the house, our labor will be in vain. Our children need to know that, right? God is at work in your heart, and I'm just doing my part. We want to build wisely on the rock, And what that means is whatever age your child is, you can talk to them about, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Hey, you know, I tell my children that I'm the senior pastor of a church, but also in the home, it's my job to lead family devotions, to shepherd the flock. And our kids are at pretty pivotal ages. Ellie is in her first year of college right now. Uh, and uh, Cassie is going to finish up her junior year. She'll be in her senior year of high school next year, so she's college shopping. Jared's going into high school. Are you praying for your pastor? (laughs) Here's a picture uh, of Allie. Lauren went down to visit her for Mother's Day, uh, Mom's Day down at the college, which is really super cute. Next picture, we took Cassie on her first college visit, so we're out there shopping. We went to Moody for the first visit there. The city is all full of life and fun, and uh, and, and so what I'll do is I'll sit down with the kids at these pivotal ages. I sat down with Ellie before her first day of high school, and I said, Look, every single assignment matters. Every single fractional decimal of your GPA opens doors for you into college. And I gave her six or seven things. Hey, here's what it means to, to get this area of life right. And you know, and then she went off to college, and I was, I was really clear with her. I said, Okay, here's the key to college. Are you ready? Number one, God. Number two, grades. Number three, gold. Number four, guys. Number four. Now, if you flip those around, it's all going to come crumbling down, right? Because you need God and your grades, you can't stay at college, right? Then get some money and and then pay some attention to those boys. And, And we would give her like her bearings, right? And this is what it means to build a foundation. But then I'll tell her too, I'll say, but look, My job as your dad is just to pack your bags for a lifetime of adventure with God. You're an adult now, legally. You could move to, you know, Alaska, and we'll never see you again, right? So look, we've packed your bags. Now you can just throw all of that out of the suitcase, but why would you? We've gotten you ready for a lifetime of godliness and faithfulness. It's all in there. You just need to start using it. That's what parents do. We build wisely on the rock, but we make sure to tell our children God's the one who's building their life for them, right? God's the one. And the older they get, the older they get when they run into trouble, when they, when they're afraid, when something happens, you know, the the less they should be like, you know, where's my dad? Where's my mom? They should be like, where's my God? Where's my God? Then, then you know you got it right. If when the bottom falls out, where's my God, right? Where's my God? build wisely on the rock they need to know it and we need to know it and jot this down but your efforts are futile apart from God your efforts are futile apart from God this is the hard truth of parenting your your capacity is limited and when you run out of energy when you run out of patience when you feel overtired feel like you've tried everything, maybe even when you feel like you have failed, that's the time to remind yourself that your efforts are futile apart from God. Because only God can build the house. I know that over the past year, the pandemic has made parenting even harder. And I love how the moms have stepped up. And uh, it's not just in the U.S., all around the world parents were freaking out when the pandemic started. I saw a video that went viral of a mom in Israel. This is just, uh, you know, a couple days, just like two days into e-learning, remote learning. Sorry if that creates some PTSD when I say e-learning. I know this is just a, you know, chill down your spine. But check out this mom in Israel. Last year, after just two days of e-learning, check out her sharing her heart with the world. <laughs>
1: מהבוקר, אנחנו רק ביום השני, מיליוני הודעות בוואטסאפ, יש לי ארבעה ילדים שיהיו בריאים, תדמיינו כמה וואטסאפים, כמה מורות לכל ילד, כמה מקצועות לכל ילד, יש לי רק שני מחשבים בבית, הם רבים מהבוקר על המחשבים, אחד המורים של הבת שלי חי בסרט שהיא בשמונה בבוקר, תשב לראות אותו על המסך, היא בשמונה בבוקר רק הופך במיטה. מה לכם? המורה למוזיקה של שלי, של חטבים הבוקר.
0: part about that is i don't think we needed the captions if i just told you she was talking about distance learning we'd be like preach it sister (laughs) yes i know exactly what you're saying man we will reach the end of our patience of our joy of our love we will reach the end but here's the great news god never reaches the end of his capacity God never runs out of love for our children. He never runs out of patience for them. He never runs out of his plan to build them up, to make them strong. It never happens. You never look up to heaven and say, well, what am I supposed to do with this one? And God says, I got nothing. That never happens. So our efforts are futile apart from God. And in the moments when you feel helpless and desperate and exhausted and frantic, then you have to remind yourself, God is building this home. God is building this home, right? you got to preach that to yourself. And he's just getting started. He has a whole lumber yard and every tool known to man, and he sees the architectural drawings of your children. He knows right where to put a beam. He knows right where to bust out a wall. Trust him. Number one, trust God to build your house. Build wisely, knowing your efforts are futile apart from God. Number two, jot this down. Trust God to watch over your family. Lest the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Lest the Lord watches over the city. So now we went from a builder to this metaphor of a watchman. There's someone watching over the city. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now again, you have this idea that the watchman who is in charge with his eyes out on the dark horizon, making sure no enemy approached the city while everyone else was sleeping soundly and securely, the watchman shouldn't read this psalm and be like, wow, well, I guess I'm disposable. I'm going to bed. The Lord is watching over this city. No, no, the watchman is watching. And if you fall asleep on duty as a watchman, it could cost you your life. It could actually cost the city. Everyone in the city could die because you didn't see the enemy approaching. Does the watchman have to watch? Absolutely. Do parents have to be watchful, standing at their post, eyes open, scanning the horizon for danger? You bet they do. But unless the Lord is at his post, your watchfulness is worthless. Pointless. So trust God To watch over your family boys and girls need watchful moms we were at Jared's baseball game a couple days ago and there were eight boys young boys and when they have the rain tarp you know that they put out they usually wrap the rain tarp up in a giant uh what are those called like a uh, a drain like a plastic whatever it's called the corrugated plastic thing well someone left that unattended and the boys, eight of them, little boys, had pushed it up a hill. And one at a time, they were jumping inside of it and then pushing each other down the hill, rolling down the hill in this giant garden tube. And then the, the kid would get out at the end and go, that was amazing! And then they go up the hill and they do it again. So Lauren and I were watching this and we're like, wow, they are getting away with it right now. I said, how long until a mom goes up there and breaks up all their fun, Right. Nobody caught them. Nobody was watching. And so they just went up and down and up and down. And then finally everybody had to go home. They didn't get caught. So yesterday the same thing was happening. It's now the funnest thing that they're doing. And more kids are joining in. They're going to get busted soon. But no one's watching. Now we have to trust God to watch over our... The Bible says wages war against our soul. And therefore parents raising children parents who want their children to have integrity, to have some spiritual backbone in this world that is casting fundamental truth aside, parents have to be watchful and vigilant. Against what? Against worldliness, against sloth, stranger danger. It's a war every day. And it's a fight with what you're seeing in your child's heart as well. The battle over food, the battle over sleep, The battle for homework, for good sportsmanship after a tough loss, respect for authority, especially when you disagree with the grade or the teacher. It's a battle. It's a fight. These things often don't come default in the human heart. So we have to be watchful and we have to be vigilant and we have to know the condition of our flock, right? Always having eyes on them. I saw this other video of a mom who had one daughter and then she had Uh, triplets. So she's got four little girls that she's getting ready for bed, and she just filmed it one night. Here's what it's like getting my children ready for bed. Check it out. that's really great. The best part is the oldest child making the most trouble, right? Oldest child and the other oldest children in the room will own it. Sometimes we like to get away with stuff while the younger ones have mom's attention. So she's, she has to be watchful, right? And you know what it needs to be watchful. Uh, As a parent, no matter what age your children are, you have to watch them carefully you're the one watching to see uh, the friends that they are hanging around with. You're the one watching to see the parents in the houses that they're going to for long hours. You're the one who is monitoring if there is any bullying going on, right? Or if a teacher has been unclear and your, your child is struggling to keep up with the assignment, you're, you're watching that and you're looking inside of them. You know, and you're determining why is she struggling so deeply? Where is this coming from? How do we trace it? You know to the source and you're watching and that's God's design you have to be watchful you have to be vigilant but listen unless God is watching over your family your watch is worthless what you're seeing is worthless unless God's eye is on your children jot this down your watchfulness is worthless apart from God apart from God god is omnipresent that means that wherever your children go god is there my oldest daughter is in tennessee i'm not there god is there god is there he's omnipresent he's also omnipotent he can do anything he can accomplish and build anything he has all power in the whole universe and more. There's nothing that our God can't do. And with God, all things are possible. None of those things are true about you. You are not omnipresent despite your best attempts. Oh, in this day where there's GPS tracking on the phone and where there's ring cameras at the door and where there's social media, oh, you can do a pretty good job of trying to stalk where your kids are and what they're up to. They might even say, I can't get away with anything because you're always watching. They may even feel like mom has eyes in the back of her head because they just get caught, right? But here's the thing, you know the truth. You can't see it all, but God can. He's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. He knows everything. Everything about your children, everything about your finances, everything about your home, everything about everything. He knows it all. Therefore, God needs to be the one watching over your children, and when he is watching over your children, you know that your watchfulness will actually work. Because when you go to bed, he is at his post. It says it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Boy, there's a lot of that. When you have young children, right? They get up early. They get up early. When you have children like us, teenagers, they never want to go to bed. They never want to go to bed. You're up late. You're up late. You're up late. You're up late. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. The idea there is you are eating the bread of your unending toil, meaning my efforts are the anxious food that I'm consuming, and I'm not trusting God to watch over. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch my kids. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to, call me, call me, call me. And, and if you're not sold out on the fact that God is, listen, 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 keeping perfect watch over your children, that's where your stomach ache is coming from. It's a lack of faith. It's a double-mindedness. It's a you trying to get into your Holy Spirit costume and take over for God. Well, He never wanted you to do that. God never wanted you to become omnipotent or omniscient or omnipresent. That's not your job description. So, Your watchfulness is worthless apart from God. And listen, when you trust him, it says here, he gives to his beloved sleep. I love that. I can sleep like Jesus in the boat when the storm is raging around me. God's got it. God's got it. I can sleep. I've reached the end of my shift. God is now on duty. You can rest. And this this idea of a mom or a dad who has reached the end of what they are righteously capable of doing to watch over and build up their house, and then they give the rest of it to God. They rest knowing that He is the ultimate son. There's no frantic tone in their voice. There's no faithless double-mindedness in the terrible futures they're already writing for their children. None of that, none of that, none of that. God is on the watch. And if your children sense that, they'll, they'll believe it too. But if their children feel like unless mom's watching, you're going to get abducted. (laughs) If they think if mom's not around, I'm toast, how are they going to build a strong faith in Almighty God? Right? Trust God to watch over your family. Be watchful and vigilant, but your watchfulness is worthless apart from God. God will show you His sovereignty over your children. We tell our kids all the time, hey, God's always there. And we pray, bring to light what is hidden in the darkness. Our kids joke now. We can't get away with anything because God busts us sovereignly in ways that we couldn't control. He just brings things to light. Just brings them to light. Just brings them to light at the right time. And when God wants to bring something to light, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Nothing. Time and time again, not only with children, but with adults, when something has been hidden, When God says it's time for it to come out, for it to come out, you cannot stop it. You cannot stop it. And therefore, parents, we can rest in the watchfulness of God Almighty over our children. Where are they now? What are they doing? Do we have to defend them from danger? Yes. Do we have to go and get them if they're in dangerous places? Yes. But look, we're not to be (laughs) helicopter dad, right? Here I am. Here I am. No, no, no. God is on the watch. God is on the watch. How's your heart? How is your frantic heart? Can you say this confidently to yourself? God is taking perfect care of my children. Can you say that to yourself? Can you say to yourself, God is keeping perfect watch over my children? I can rest. I can rest. Are you saying that? Trust God to watch over your family. Don't go beyond righteous and rational and relational boundaries to seize more control over your children than is righteously yours. Trust God. Trust God. He's got it. He's awake. He's on it. He sees everything. Wow, what an awesome God we serve. Lest the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Lest the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's worthless. Verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So now we have this portrait of a warrior and a person inheriting something. So number one, trust God to build your house. Number two, trust God to watch over your family. Number three, remember children are a blessing from God. Remember, children are a blessing from God. You can jot that down. Now, if inadvertently you wrote the word burden instead of blessing, just cross it out. <clears throat> just, I'll give you a second, cross it out, spelled B-L-E-S-S-I-N-G, blessing. Children are a blessing from God. And some are more of a burden than others, and I read one scholar made a Great comment about this this idea of children being quiver arrows in the quiver of a warrior. And Derek Kidner wrote this sometimes the greater a kid's potential, the more likely they will be a handful before they will be a quiverful. It's true, isn't it? This portrait of children being a blessing is really great, and they're an inheritance, so they're a heritage from the Lord. In Israel, an inheritance would include land, uh, the family business, whether it's farming or carpentry or whatever it is, the business. So the goods, the home, the land, and and then there would also be what possessions they had. And so an inheritance, the key um, to an inheritance is you don't earn it, all right? So an inheritance is just handed to you. Wonderful portrait of salvation. Uh, Salvation is called an inheritance, which means the way you get saved and go to heaven... Is God hands you something that you don't earn? It's something that you merit simply because of your relationship toward Him. You become a son or a daughter of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then, when you have been adopted into His family through faith, you are handed the inheritance. Not because you've worked for it or lived a good life or earned your way into His kingdom, it's because your family. He hands Heaven to you, free forever, glory to God. And that's the only way you're getting in. Children also are handed to you from God. Well, wait just a minute. I grew them in my belly. They were handed to you, right? Not just genetically, biologically, the formation of that was something God engineered. But every child is so much more than just matter. We are made in God's image, which means we have a soul, we have a spirit, we are not just. Uh, molecules right in your womb God knit together a human a person who took on flesh who who is made in his image God made that person in you and so each child is a blessing each child is an inheritance handed to you by God and the implications of that are huge jot this down it means that your children belong to God belong to God. They are not yours, they are His. They're His, people made in His image, for His glory, by His hand, but but they were handed to you for a time. They're His, not yours, but they're handed to you for a time. To rear them up, to give them roots, to give them wings, then to release them and to teach them to trust their Heavenly Father. Because they belong to God, in the Christian faith, all life is sacred. What a wonderful value this places on children that the world devalues. For example, children with disabilities who often in the womb are seen as undesirable. And every life is sacred to God. Every child is made in His image. They are a blessing, not a burden. What a wonderful truth. Your child belongs to Him. Your child is a blessing to this world. You can fear that you are all alone or your kids are so small, specks of dust in such a chaotic and godless world. No, no, they belong to God. They're made in his image for his purpose. And when we do child dedication, you are dedicating that you will raise them up in the training and instruction to the Lord, but you're dedicating them to God. You're giving them to him trusting that He will have a special purpose and a watch over them, and knowing that His purposes will unfold for that child. So children are a blessing. They're from God. They belong to Him. Some days you might need to just close the door to your room and throw up your hands and say, that one's yours today, God. I'm done. It's a powerful thing to tell your kid that. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to pray. You're God's now. Sometimes you need to tell your children, I've reached the end of what I can do to help you with this, but God's just getting started, and I believe he's going to show you that what you're doing is dangerous. Now they're with God. Now they're wrestling with him. That's your job as a parent. You belong to God. Tell them that. You belong to God. Jot this down. They bring a heritage and a reward. So they are a heritage, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. This idea of a blessing or a a profit or or gain, that includes the joy. But it, it means a legacy. It means all that comes in the box with that child, the God stories. It's all part of the heritage, the story of faith. And we're proud of our children. We catalog what they've done. We show on social media when they achieve something. There's joy, there's a reward, there's gain, right? And the Bible naturally now connects those dots, and it says, um, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Then it gives just a very basic, local, everyday blessing. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So the gate was kind of like the court right? It was like customer service for the city. It was also like the initial people's court of litigation. So if you go there alone and you don't have a family, you can be taken advantage of pretty easily. But if you've got a big family, strong sons, godly daughters, not only are they witnesses for you of your character, but you better watch out, right? Because the family protected its land and, and, you know, back then there wasn't always like a government force around to enforce these laws like police. So your family was right there. And watch out is the point. If you've got a good, strong, healthy, godly family, watch out because you're stronger. That's not only true of your family. You have a lot more children. You have a lot more leverage in life, right? But it's true of the nation, the country that has a lot more strong families with a lot more children has a lot more leverage. That's just the way it is. So they bring a heritage and a reward. And then jot this down. They impact the world for God. They impact the world for God. It says here, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. So now we're looking at like a warrior who's armed with the bow and arrow, right? Strong for the battle. And we can expand this out to see it as like Christian parents, right? Have these arrows that we are aiming and then we're, you know, we are aiming them at the enemy, right at the heart of the forces of darkness to strike a blow for the kingdom of light. It's a battle, and we are sending them out right into the thick of it. That's what we're doing, and I love that. I love that idea of being in a great fight and raising up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord as being a great way to go to war, to rumble with the enemy in this world, godly offspring. I like the thought of a warrior with arrows here. Here's a a picture of several famous archers from uh, the movies, right? You got Legolas, uh, you've got Hawkeye, you've got Merida, and you've got Katniss, and the thought of being really good with a bow, right? Like, really good with a bow. You are deadly. And, and as parents, we're trying to aim them correctly, right? And boy, when you let them go, some of them just don't fly straight, right? They're missing a feather. You know what I mean? <laughs> Zoom, whoa, that's not where I was aiming. Uh, But the idea is you're aiming them correctly and you are pulling the bolt. You're intentional and you are letting them go. They may take a winding road, right? We trust that God's going to get them right to the bullseye of his plan for their life. But I love this thought of parents being intentional about releasing their children into this world to strike a blow for the kingdom of light. Strong children who become confident men and women will look around and see the damage darkness has done to their generation. The mind, the body, the heart, and the soul, all riddled with shrapnel because of the world and its ideas. And then they will look up to heaven and say, Here I am, send me, Lord. That's the idea. We are releasing them. And then as parents, we seek to leave a legacy where our children will hand down the faith to their children. They will embrace the call to go and make disciples of all nations. To stand against the hollow promises of the world, to teach their children to fear God and to prepare for eternity, to surrender to service in the local church or on the mission field or in ministry, to sacrifice greatly to grow up the kingdom of Christ, to see and feed the poor, those that the world is overlooking, to cry out for justice for those who are oppressed, to reach the lost and adopt the orphans and care for the sick and preach the gospel. This is what we want our kids to do. We want them to impact the world for God. Trust God to build your house. Build wisely on the rock. Your efforts are futile apart from God. Trust God to watch over your family. Be watchful and vigilant because your watchfulness is worthless apart from God. Remember, children are a blessing from God. They belong to Him. They bring a heritage and a reward. They're intended to impact the world for God. Let me close with an example, one of the finest godly women of the faith in history, Susanna Wesley, she you never heard his story, her story, it's quite impressive. The article says this, If a passing stranger walking through the rural village in England on any given day between 1700 and 1720 had peered through the window of the home of the local pastor in the Anglican church, he may have caught sight of something quite strange. Depending on the time of day, this observer might have seen a woman sitting in a chair with her kitchen apron pulled up over her head while her ten children read, studied, or played all around her. Two of those ten children would have been little boys, John and Charles Wesley, who would grow up to shape the course of Christian history and thus change the world. The woman under the apron would have been Susanna Wesley, who assumed this odd posture for two hours almost every day, praying. She knew the dynamics of a large family. She was born the 25th child of 25 children, the caboose. In 1669, Grew up the daughter of a highly educated minister in London. She had little formal education, but growing up in an academic household with so many other siblings left her well-read and well-rounded intellectually. She met Samuel Wesley, an aspiring Anglican minister, and married him in 1688 when she was just 19 years old. Her 53 years were far from easy ones. They were characterized by loss, hardship, and struggle yet she became a woman of immense legacy, largely through the dual virtues of organization and prayer. She delivered 19 children, but nine, including two sets of twins, died in infancy. Another was accidentally smothered in the night by a nurse as Susanna recovered from labor and delivery. Samuel, her husband, was not good with money. He once spent several months in debtor's prison. Susanna's household organizational skills are the stuff of legend. She knew from personal experience that quality one-on-one time with a parent is hard to come by in a family with many children, yet powerfully important. So she set a rotating schedule through which each of her children spent an hour with her alone before bedtime on a designated night each week. What is more, she somehow found a way to manage the household and give her large brood of children a world-class education that included both classical and biblical learning. Her girls got the same rigorous education as did her boys. Um, Ministry was hard on the Wesleys. On two occasions, the Wesleys' parsonage burnt down, most likely because of arson on the part of embittered members of the congregation. Life was not easy. Early in her life, she vowed that she would never spend more time in leisure or entertainment than she would in prayer or Bible study through the day. Even amidst the Most complex and busy years of her life as a mother, she still scheduled two hours each day for fellowship with God and time in his word. She adhered to that schedule faithfully. The challenge was finding a place of privacy in her house filled to overflowing with children. Mother Wesley's solution to this was to bring her Bible to her favorite chair and throw her long apron up over her head, forming a tent. This became akin to the tent of meeting the tabernacle in days of Moses. Everyone in the house knew to leave her alone when she was in the tent." Susanna passed away in 1742 at the age of 73. Her son, John Wesley, is estimated to have gone on to preach to nearly a million people in his long and fruitful life. A prolific writer, as he was a busy preacher. He's been called the father of the religious paperback, and they started the Methodist movement. Uh, John's younger brother, Charles, uh, was a brilliant musician and lyricist. He wrote more than 6,600 hymns, many of which are still in hymnals around the world today. Wow, what a super mom. And we're not designed to become her, but boy, can we learn from her. So much stacked against her and she left a legacy. She let those arrows fly into the world and the world is different because of it. So what does that mean for you? Your children belong to God. They bring a heritage and a reward and they are given to you to impact the world for Christ. Moms, I hope you're encouraged. Trust God to build your house. He is the master builder. Trust him to watch over your family. His eyes are everywhere. Remember, your children are a blessing from God, and God will use them to impact the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this psalm, for this song, and this is our cry today. This is our prayer today. This is the hymn of our heart today. Lord, build our houses up. Lord, watch over our family. Lord, take our work, our effort, small and limited, long and dangerous road through this wild world. I just pray that you would reassure us and them that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. Thank you, Lord, for our children and for this tremendous honor to parent them. We praise you, Lord, and trust you through the good times and through the bad times when our plans seem to work and when everything seems to fall apart. You are on guard. You're watching, you're building, and we thank you for this promise. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.